Welcome to our podcast, Innovation for Good. Our guest today is Christopher Miller, Global Social Mission Director at Ben & Jerry's. Ben & Jerry's is an aspiring social justice company that believes in a greater calling than simply making and selling the world's best ice cream. The company is a Vermont corporation and wholly owned subsidiary of Unilever. It operates its business on a three-part mission statement emphasizing product quality, a fair financial return, and addressing issues of social, racial, and environmental injustice around the globe. So now we have Chris Miller joining us to tell us a bit about this work that Ben & Jerry's is doing. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Nancy. Great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And, and to start, we know that you've certainly had an interesting, interesting career at Ben & Jerry's. So could you tell us a bit about your role and then how it plays into or supports Ben & Jerry's mission? I sure will. Um, so I am, the, as you noted, the Global Social Mission Director at Ben & Jerry's. Uh, that means I have the sort of remit of looking after the, the social mission across all 35 countries where we do business. Uh, there's sort of two pieces of our social mission. One is the way in which we operate our business day to day. Our company has good impacts on the world and it has bad impacts on the world. Right. We source ingredients that are fair trade certified. We source non GMO ingredients. We buy brownies from the Grayston Bakery and uh, cookie dough from a certified B Corp called uh, Rhino. Uh, those are all um, among many of the good things that we do, and, and we want to do more of that. On the other hand, we also have an environmental footprint. Uh, we have a relatively sizable greenhouse gas footprint uh, because we're a dairy company. Uh, we also have packaging that at the moment is neither compostable nor recyclable in the U.S. Uh, it is compostable and recyclable in some overseas markets, but not yet in the U.S. And so the team is focused on uh, doing less bad in those places. So that part of the work looks more like a traditional corporate sustainability team. Uh, in addition, we also have this history of using our platform, our relationship with our consumers, our place and culture to advocate for progressive social change. We've really pioneered a unique form of corporate activism at Ben & Jerry's. And that's the other important piece of uh, the social mission. So something that looks more conventional in terms of corporate sustainability and responsibility. Uh, and then this kind of unique piece, which is uh, our, our approach to corporate activism, which I'm, I'm sure we can talk more about. Great. So this, there are so many questions that come from this. Um, so, you know, Ben and Jerry's was one of the first companies that really, you know, leaned into being values-based and elevating the fact that companies could be values-based. You know, can you speak to this and, and, then, and then talk about also then what does it mean to lead with progressive values? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you referenced in the setup our, our three-part mission, right? We have a product mission, an economic mission, and a social mission. You know, in many ways, that approach to doing business has become much more mainstream today, right? This, this notion mm -hmm. of a, a triple bottom line, people planet profit, um, but what's interesting about Ben and Jerry's three-part mission is that we, we organized around this idea of a, a, a three-part mission in 1988. 
at that time, it was a pretty radical idea that a company could do something other than be focused on maximizing shareholder returns, that, that a company could be focused on not just shareholders, but a wider set of stakeholders. In, in some way, we were sort of a B Corp before B Corps were B Corps. Um, and, and, and so that three-part mission has always been the foundation of our business model. Now, you asked, what does it mean to lead with our progressive values? Well, our social mission is built around this idea that we want to use the day-to-day -day operations of our business to do more good in the world. But the, 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 our progressive values really help guide and focus the work of the social mission. And so, you know, broadly speaking, Ben and Jerry's values frankly, are the values of our co-founders. They were, you know, uh, counterculture, 60s hippies uh, that, that <laughs> sort of met each other in junior high school, became best friends, are still best friends to this day, uh, figured out that they, they liked spending time together, they liked eating, and decided to start an ice cream company in a, you know, pretty cold, New England college town called Burlington, Vermont. But th their values are really the values that have infused our company. And, and we have what we call our, our progressive value statement. It talks about the fact that capitalism and the wealth it produces does not accrue equally across society. And that we at Ben and Jerry's want to seek new and innovative economic models uh, to increase uh, economic justice and, and livelihoods in the communities where we live, work, and do business. Uh, it, it also talks about uh, our commitment to issues around peace uh, and that, that high levels of spending on military budgets detract from our ability to invest in the kinds of uh, uh, services like education, healthcare, job training that make us stronger uh, as a country. And it talks about the fact that we're a manufacturing company and that by definition, manufacturing produces impacts and waste in the world. And that we want to commit ourselves to operating in our, our business in a way that uh, uh, limits to the best of the degree as possible the impacts that we're having on the world. And it is those values that both infuse and inform our approach to the day-to-day -day operations of our business, but they're also the values that inform the issues that we work on, on the activism and advocacy side. It is sort of amazing that these values, you know, again, as you said, I think it was 1988, is that what you said? That they, yes. they really stood the test of time, right? <laughs> and so they are, you know, they are as relevant today as they were when the, the our co-founders and the Ben and Jerry's board put them on a piece of paper. Right. I mean, that, and then, and so how do you then, how do you ensure that this, you know, that this is authentic and, and maybe this is also speaking to other companies, you know, and actually integrated into the company culture and not just, you know, um, potentially becoming words on a page? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a constant work in progress. I mean, as, as again, you noted in the setup, we are, we are a wholly owned subsidiary of Unilever, but we have this unique uh, governance structure that that is referred to as a wholly owned but autonomous subsidiary. So we're able to to operate our company in a way, despite being owned by Unilever, end to end in a way that is consistent with our values. And 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 so I think we're 
constantly looking to find new ways and, and be innovative in how we integrate our values into the day-to-day operations, you know, certainly engaging our people is critically important, right? I, I think if you, if you ask any Ben & Jerry's employee what they love about working at Ben & Jerry's, I have no doubt in my mind that the overwhelming majority will at some point talk about the social mission of the company. If you ask that employee what part of the social mission they're drawn to, if you asked 100 people, you would likely get 100 different answers, right? Because we're, we're not a brand with a singular purpose. We're this company that's led by, by a, a set of values. But I think, you know, one of the things that is remarkable about Ben and & Jerry's, and I've, I've had the good fortune of actually being able to, to have two different stints at Ben and Jerry's. My original time at the company started in 1996 and I left about a year after Unilever bought the company. Um, so I left in about mid 2001 and I returned uh, in 2013, uh, just about 10 years ago. And one of the most remarkable things about that was when I walked back into the building almost 12 years after I left, there were so many faces that I recognized. There is not a high level of turnover at the company. People are attracted to the brand and the company because of what we are and what we do and what we're committed to. And so I do think that it's both an an ongoing way of engaging our employees in the work that we're doing, whether that's giving back in our own community or it's taking a position in support of women's access to reproductive health services or the fight against the fossil fuel industry and the need to, to you know, rapidly transition our economies to a, a, a low carbon economy in the future that protects us from climate change. It, it, it is engaging those employees over time. And the fact that we have a relatively stable employee base, people who have been a part of the company uh, for such a long time. And so when new people come in, they're sort of absorbed into this culture uh, that that has been part of how we've been able to kind of perpetuate it over time, both in the 45 years since the company was founded and the 23 years since Unilever bought it. Uh, so there there are many things that are called out, you know, in the company's progressive nonpartisan social mission, in, you know, including the fact that manufacturing of products creates waste or capitalism, and the wealth it produces, you know, doesn't create opportunity for everyone equally, and as you noted. You know, so as a company that has the bottom line and, and makes money, you know, how, how does Ben & Jerry's address these issues while st- still tending to a bottom line? It's a question we get asked a lot, right? Because I do think that in many corporate circles, and I think even at this particular moment in time, at a time when there is sort of uh, uh, discussion around the role of ESG and our companies who woke and do they belong, you know, uh, in a place where they're taking a stand or being, quote, political? Um, You know, what I will tell you is that this company, I believe, has been on the leading edge of what it means to be a progressive values-led company for 45 years company started in a dilapidated gas station in Burlington, Vermont, 
and today does over $1.2 billion in annual sales and is sold in 35 countries around the world and is owned by one of the largest global multinational companies on the planet. I think we have proven that this model of uh, being authentic, talking about your values, supporting organizations and groups that are doing important work on the ground in communities, while at the same time working as hard as we can to operate our business in a way that reflects our values, has been an incredibly powerful engine for our business. Uh, we know that, you know, the consumers that know that we have a progressive social mission are more than two times uh, more likely uh, uh, to call Ben and Jerry's their favorite brand of ice cream and to pay more for our products. Uh, I, I think we have grown this brand consistently for 45 years. Uh, and so I think for those who suggest that there is tension between uh, uh, operating your business in a way that's values-based and returning a healthy uh, profit to our, our shareholders, uh, I think we've shown that, that that's simply not true. And, and, and really, I think this whole model and approach that we've pioneered at Ben & Jerry's is rooted in this important insight that our co-founder Ben Cohen had many, many years ago, which was the strongest bonds that you can create with your customers or your consumers is around a shared set of values. So when you can connect with your consumer base, not just around a product transaction that happens at the register at a grocery store, but when you can connect with your consumer or customer base uh, around a shared set of things that, that we believe in the world, that creates a, a, a relationship uh, and an affinity for the brand that is far more durable than if they were just buying ice cream from us. And so I think, you know, we all buy hundreds of brands in a given week, right? When we go shopping or we buy clothes. And I think for each of us, there are a handful of brands that, that you know, we would go to four different stores for to find because that brand is so important to us. And I think if we reflect on what those brands are, so often it will be about not just what the brand is selling you, but what that brand or company stands for, what, what they bring to the world. And I think, you know, I think that's the big opportunity for all companies, you know, to, to be a bit more led by their values, by the idea of using their platform to, to do good in the world. And in doing that, I think you, you create an even stronger, uh, uh, more durable business model. Well, that's so interesting because you, you know, again, being so far ahead of, you know, um, as a leader in this, you know, today, consumers really are looking for those mission-driven companies. And um, and so that, you know, it's interesting because you are this sort of proven example, but that is the trend today where that's sort of pushing the hand, right, of consumer uh, of companies because that's yeah. where consumers are at and what they're looking for. Yeah, um, all and the then, data shows that, right, Nancy? I mean, and particularly yeah. for Gen Z at a time right. when when, you know, 
broad swaths of society have lost faith in, you know, and, and it's incredibly unfortunate, but have a lack of faith in, in our, our policymakers and public officials to affect change. And even for that matter, the news media, for better, for worse, there is both a, a higher level of trust in corporations and corporate leaders, as well as an expectation that they be a part of helping solve some of the most complex problems in our society. So it, 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 it is both, I think, a powerful engine for, uh, for a, a, a business, but I also think increasingly it is the expectation from citizens and consumers. Right. Well, then, and so then how important is it for a values-based company today to have all-encompassing initiatives, you know, not just a focus on people, but say a focus on agricultural practices, climate change, animal welfare, you know, green technology, like, is it okay yeah. to be singularly focused or how broad can you go without watering down an, initi an initiative? Yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on, you know, who you are as a company or brand. You know, what I will say is, you know, as we think about the way we operate our, our company and as others think about this work as it relates to theirs, you know, companies based on the kind of company they are have certain impacts that you just have to address, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, let me give you an example. We, we uh, you know, Roughly 55% of our carbon footprint of our entire company is in the sourcing of ingredients and probably uh, uh, estimating here, but 75 to 80% of the carbon footprint associated with our ingredients or that 54% is from dairy farming. I was going to say, now, yeah, <laughs> the cows. Right. That's right. right. Now, <laughs> If you are an automobile manufacturer, for example, uh, I'm imagining that a big part of your footprint is in the manufacturing process. For us, manufacturing is literally 1% of our overall global carbon footprint. And so while it is important that, you know, we actually have a goal to, to get our two plants in Vermont off of fossil fuels by 2025. That work is important. And in the grand scheme of our overall footprint, it's mostly irrelevant. And so what I do think is important is that companies focus on areas where they have a material impact, right? Like, you know, if, if all we did was tell stories about, you know, what we're doing to, you know, retrofit lighting in our plants to reduce energy usage there, it would be misleading about whether or not we're actually getting after the material impacts of our company. Now, we are working incredibly hard uh, on dairy farms uh, to reduce emissions, and that involves better cropping practices that create better soil health. It's better manure management to uh, reduce methane emissions from the back end of a cow. And it's looking at innovative feed additives that reduce uh, enteric emissions or methane that comes out of the front side of the cow in the form of burps. So we're, we're heavily focused in areas where we have the most material impact. But then in terms of the activism and advocacy, we, unlike some companies, um, we engage on a broad range of issues. 
and so we're not just engaging on issues that map directly back to a supply chain issue for us, right? If I'm honest, we don't do a lot of sort of public facing activism and advocacy on, on dairy issues. We're much more engaged on issues externally around economic, social, and racial justice. Um, and so we do the work internally that's most material to the impacts that we have on the world and externally, we let our values guide the kind of campaigns and work that we run in partnership with, with NGOs, civil society, nonprofits. Um, and, and as I said, we touch a broad range of issues from the need to reform our criminal legal system. I mentioned issues around climate change. We've been engaged on, on issues of LGBTQ and trans rights, uh, uh, the need to to be advocate for common sense gun reform. Um, so we, we, we have a, a broad range of issues that we engage on externally. So then with these, you know, the values issues, how do you measure success when it comes to values-based yeah. initiatives? That's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> I would say the way that we, uh, the way that we measure impact is through having impact on the world. So let me give you a, a couple of examples. Um, we have been working with an incredible group of uh, grassroots groups in the city of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about the work. We started this work, I think in, in 2018, 2019. Um, and there was a, a coalition of groups that were advocating for closing a particularly horrendous jail in the city of St. Louis. So the city of St. Louis is, is roughly 50% black. However, more than 90% of the people that were held in this jail were, were black. And almost all of them, about 96% of the people in the jail were being held pre-trial for lack of cash bail, right? So they, they were simply being held because they were poor. If, if you had the resources to bail yourself out, uh, you could go free. And if you were poor, average time spent in the jail known as the workhouse was over 300 days before people's cases were adjudicated. And in most cases, the, the cases were either pled or dismissed and there was no, no underlying jail time. So we brought our unique set of advocacy tools uh, to the work that the Close the Workhouse Coalition uh, had built. It was focused on uh, targeted members of the city's legislative body, the Board of Aldermen, uh, to get them to pass legislation that would require the closure of this jail and to shift resources into the kinds of programs and services that we know uh, deliver public safety, things like access to mental health counseling, substance use disorder treatment, job training, housing, et cetera, $17 million. Um, we 
brought all the tools that we have, which is like our incredible ability to do advertising, digital content, generate earned media. Of course, we put an ice cream truck into the city of St. Louis and put it in the service of the groups that we were working with. So they could go from neighborhood to neighborhood holding, you know, parties uh, and giving away free ice cream that attracts crowds and allowed them to engage uh uh, citizens of the city of St. Louis. Over the course of two years, they built the political power in the city of St. Louis to ultimately push the Board of Alders uh, to close the workhouse jail. It, 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 it was a huge win that has had an incredible impact on that community. You know, and in so many ways, it, it is a it, it is a perfect symbol of everything that in the, is wrong with our criminal legal system, right? Growing up, you know, we were taught that uh, you one is innocent until proven guilty. In this case, you had, you know, families that were being, frankly, torn apart, people whose lives were upended because they had a broken taillight or they drove without a license and ultimately didn't have the money uh, uh, to post cash bail. And so that is a long answer to your succinct question, but that's how we measure success. The, the coalition and the team on the ground ultimately won this incredibly important victory that impacts real lives in the city of St. Louis. And, and this, the, the, that same coalition of groups currently is in the final phases of um, what they're now calling re-envisioning the workhouse. So the workhouse has been closed Funds are being reallocated, and now they want to turn this site in North St. Louis that used to be this place of harm to the community into a place of hope for the community. And so just about eight weeks ago, uh, uh, the coalition was working to get as many citizens of St. Louis to participate in a survey to get their input on what should happen with this site. And we invested in targeted digital ads to residents of the city of St. Louis that substantially increased the number of people that participated in that survey. So that's, that's another way that we can add value to their strategies and their work. These groups, while smart, strategic, and our issue experts don't necessarily have the budget the creative teams, et cetera, to build a robust campaign like we were able to build to put this in front of the residents of the city of St. Louis. So ultimately, how we measure impact on the work that we do from an advocacy and activism perspective is by winning things, by making things better. Right. And, you know, and, and it's excellent you know, have those resources to to see it through, right? To to see, as you said, that took a couple of years, and still um, decisions are still being made around this. But to be able to to actually fully engage at that level, I think is important. And I do love the fact that you said ice cream is a unifier in that process of drawing people out it, or into the conversation. I mean, it is literally one of the most powerful organizing tools I've ever had the ability to access. I mean, right, uh, we didn't talk about my background. I spent some time uh, uh, working in the United States Congress for Bernie Sanders many years ago. I spent time running the climate change campaign at Greenpeace. My background has been in policy and advocacy, but, but doing this work 
with this platform, with this brand, and with a product that absolutely brings people together and, and lights people up really is a touch of magic. That's fantastic. Well, so you have said in interviews that you have a dream job, and I was going to ask, you know, why is that? And, and then, and I'm here, we've all heard it, you know, today. And, and then you may have just touched on one of them, but, you know, what are the projects or, you know, focuses that Ben and Jerry's has taken on, in, in, taken on or moved, you know, what's moved the needle or what are you most proud of in, in the work that you've been doing? It was yeah. a lot of things in one question. It's a lot of, I mean, it's yeah. a dream job because, you know, the work I get to do and, and, there's something special about Ben and Jerry's and, and at least for me, and it may be because I grew up in Vermont. I moved here when I was six years old, two years before Ben and Jerry started the shop. Uh, I remember as a, as a kid, my parents taking me to that original gas station um, and, 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 you know, standing in line for 30 minutes waiting for, you know, Jerry to hand a, a, a cone over the dip case to me and my family. I, I have such fond memories as a kid. Uh, and Vermont is such an important place to me. And this company and brand is so closely associated with the state of Vermont. It's one of the largest employers in the state. But more than that, the, the sort of rolling hills and sort of pastoral scenes are on our packaging. And so, you know, the company is important to the state of Vermont and the state of Vermont is really important to Ben and Jerry's. And that's part of what sort of, for me, is, is so important about working at, at Ben and Jerry's and why I love it so much. You know, not everybody can say that they get to bring them whole, their whole selves to work every day and, and, and to really um, be able to bring their values to work and feel like you're able to attempt to contribute something to the world and bring a bit of joy to the world. And I have been so gifted to be able to, to feel that way about my work here at Ben & Jerry's. So, you know, I, I, I really do believe I'm incredibly fortunate and have one of the best jobs in the world. You know, what am I most out of or what do what where do I think we've had the most impact? It, it's a tough question to answer. I think, you know, when we're at our best, we're engaging our employees in these issues that we work on. So so we are, you know, we're building hopefully a little bit better citizens at Ben and Jerry's than at the average company. Uh, and, and I believe that we're doing that. Um, I also think when we're at our best, we are putting ourselves in service of those who are on the front lines of the issues that we work on, uh, those who have been historically marginalized. I think too often, you know, or I don't want to say too often, I think sometimes companies that engage in these issues think they have the brilliant strategy to, you know, solve a problem. And I think more often than not, while we have great influence as corporations and corporate leaders, while we have real, uh, uh, you know, power and influence in the world, we're not always best equipped to understand the strategy. And so one of the things I am most proud of is 
you know, the network and constellation of activists, groups and allies that we work with on a day-to-day basis. You know, if you look at some of the groups that we work with, they are not groups that typically work with corporations. You know, this is not an exercise in, you know, co-branded cause-related marketing. Um, this, this really is an attempt to put, you know, our tools and our, our sort of, um, you know, our, our power and privilege uh, in service of people who are doing in, incredible work. And, and I think that's the, that's what makes me most proud. I mean, I, I'll go back to the work in St. Louis when, when the board of aldermen voted unanimously, ultimately to close the workhouse, the coalition put out a press release. It talked about the history of the campaign, the importance of this win for their community. And they thanked a laundry list of nonprofit groups, civic leaders, uh, and they thanked Ben and Jerry's. Like in the in the list of groups that they, you know, attributed part of this success to, we were completely unique, a, a global ice cream company. And so, for me, I'm most proud when I feel like we are adding value to these groups and, and activists that otherwise wouldn't have access to what we bring to the party. And so I just, you know, for me, that's the thing that, that inspires me, keeps me motivated and is always looking for kind of new and innovative ways to support incredible work. And, you know, to be sure, we're a small but mighty team and we can support work like we have in, in St. Louis in an ongoing and sustained way. You know, we're working in other communities, but we, you know, we can't work in a hundred communities. We have to pick a few places where we have the capacity to go deep and to commit to some work for a period of time. Um, but, but that's what I'm most proud of really being a part of, of, building that work and, and helping create a model at Ben and Jerry's, which is pretty unique in the corporate world. So I just have a few more things that just to touch on, not, um, but one just that we, you, you touched on um, the role that partnerships and collaboration play in being a values-based company. That seems pretty critical to this work that you're doing. Is that um, seem accurate? Critically important. I think it, it is what gives us the, the credibility and authenticity to do the work that we do, right? It, it, the, the danger here is, and I won't pick on any particular brands, but, but the danger is that what you end up doing is, is making decisions about how you're going to engage or what your strategy is based on your desire to sell stuff. You know, and, and I think, you know, we, we all remember the Kendall Jenner moment. Um, our values guide what we do. You may agree or disagree with a position that we have on an issue, but we don't take that position because we want to sell you more ice cream, right? And I think 
our history, heritage, and our clarity about our values consistently over time uh, have helped people understand that that is true for us. But then I think the partners really provide both the strategic guidance, but also we become allies together. And so to the degree that someone doesn't like or pushes back on our position in support of trans rights, you know, our friends at the National Center for Transgender Equality that we've worked with for a number of years, they have our back on this thing. You know, and I, I guess maybe I will name another brand. I think, you know, we all watched what happened earlier this year around Bud Light. And, and I think the example there is less about the risks of a brand taking a stand and more the risks of a brand not taking a stand, sort of taking an initial stand, but then sort of backing away from that position. And I think, you know, this becomes in incredibly risky in, 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 in potentially, brand, as we saw, brand damaging in that instance where what ends up happening is it becomes clear that what you did or said actually wasn't rooted in something deeply held or believed and that it, it, it and that you know it can be discarded if you get a little bit of blowback you know we have a long history of getting blowback and you know creating controversy but we lean into that we don't steer away from it and and i think um that's that in conjunction with always being partner-led, ensuring that when we step out, we're stepping out with others uh, who will have our back uh, is critically important. So just you know, what would you say to companies who want to lean into being values-based but aren't sure how to start or find it you know, overwhelming? Do you have you know, suggestions to offer there? Yeah, I mean, I think root whatever it is you're doing in something real, in a value, whether that's the values that your company was founded on. In our case, that's true, but not every company, you know, was, was founded by, you know, sort of interesting values led pioneering people. It, it could be a value associated with the way in which your business operates. It could be, you know, the collective values of your employee base. When you apply a values lens to either the way in which you operate your business or, uh, you know, taking a stand on an issue publicly, it really does need to be rooted in something that is real. I mean, I, I talk a lot about the, the difference between cause-related marketing and what we would say is our approach to values-led activism. Cause-related marketing sort of starts with who's my consumer, what's a value or an emotion that I can appropriate from them, and then I build a, a compelling sort of creative campaign that speaks to this value or emotion that they hold. Whereas our approach is completely different, right? Our approach is here's what we believe, here's the here's the change we seek to make in the world, and 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 we're going to engage you in that. And, and so I think that rooting it in something that you as a company or brand believe is the most important part. And then I'd say work with work with others, partners, find groups and allies who can help you focus in the right places right and, and i think 
I think, but, but that, that first bit's real important. Don't do something because you think, you know, this is going to be a brilliant marketing turn. Do something because you believe it's the right thing to do. And, and I think when you do that, you have the added halo effect of doing something that's really good for your brand as well. So um, this is great asking you all these questions and, and having this conversation. I'm curious to know, what's your favorite flavor of Ben and Jerry's? I mean, that's the most important question. <laughs> um, my favorite flavor, I will say, like most Ben and Jerry's employees, it does change uh, from time to time. But uh, my my current favorite flavor is a flavor called vanilla caramel fudge. It is one of the handful of flavors at Ben and Jerry's that doesn't have chunks in it. It's this incredibly creamy vanilla base, and it has a chocolate and a and a caramel swirl. It's smooth. It's rich. It's creamy. It's delicious. I'm going to have to try that one. That sounds like that's up my alley. I have had the the salted caramel almond has been a favorite of mine, so I might uh, have to venture I out. Highly, yeah, <laughs> I highly recommend trying vanilla caramel fudge. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. This, um, you know, there's so many questions we could keep asking, but uh, we appreciate your time. Um, today to our audience, you've been listening to the Innovation for Good podcast, and our guest today has been Christopher Miller, Global Social Mission Director at Ben & Jerry's. Thanks again for listening and, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Nancy.